Everybody survived Thanksgiving. That's good. Welcome to ev- to everybody. Once again, my name is Chris Kimston. I'm the Young Adult Missions Minister here. A special welcome to you if you are from a different campus. I already met some new friends from, from other places. Or if you are somebody who's just visiting a family member coming in uh, to town for the holiday, uh, we're just really glad that you spent your evening here with us today. Um, we're uh, wrapping up, as Ryan mentioned before during announcements, a building campaign a new se- uh, and the series that went along with it called Building to a Hope Beyond. A building to, it's a pun that I had no part in creating. Um, building to, meaning our second building. Uh, if you are here from out of town and you see, you say, oh, there are a few seats around here. It's because the people that you came with are the clever ones and they know that there's a little bit more space at the 5 p.m. service on Saturday nights. If you're here on a Sunday, we are packed out into the lobby all the way across the balcony. And uh, that's not just on the weekend worship. It's also during the weekdays, we have programming every single day of the week. And uh, we just need a little bit of chance to expand. So we reached a handshake agreement with the people just to the north of us. Uh, They are a family-owned insurance company. They don't really need all the space anymore. Um, And so they are going to sell that to us. And the building campaign is to raise money for the purchase and renovation of that building. And it's going to be so great in so many different ways. And... uh, we are certainly thankful for you. Uh, again, like Ryan said, I don't have any update for you. Uh, I don't. I'm not withholding information. I don't have any. And so they, uh, we are uh, still tallying a lot of those things. There were so many different ways that you can give and pledge your money. So all those things are coming in. They're still being tabulated. So John will have the uh, distinct pleasure of sharing that with all of you next week. So definitely come back uh, for that as well. And we are wrapping up the Building to a Hope Beyond uh, preaching series tonight. A little, like a little epilogue to tag on to that. Uh, we're wrapping up with everyone's favorite book in the Bible, Deuteronomy. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Palpable excitement in the room. I saw some fist pumps. It was great. Um, It is the most difficult book to spell. Kids in the room, if you can spell it to me by the end of it, I have candy for you. And uh, it's also considered one of the most difficult to uh, to read. If it is the last book in the Hebrew Bible, uh, it is the fifth book in the Bible overall, and uh, it comes from the Greek word deuteronomion, which means second law giving. And if you are looking to in this New Year's, we're kind of starting to play on our New Year's resolutions. If you're somebody who's like, this year, 2019, I'm going to read through the entire Bible, and you're going to start with Genesis, Deuteronomy will be a stumbling block for you, just as a couple of other books in the Bible, because you start off really great with the beautiful creation poetry of uh, Genesis, and there's a lot of family drama in there. You get this big epic story of Moses leading his people across the split Red Sea with Exodus, and then you hit some books after that. And uh, (laughs) <laughs> Deuteronomy is this book describes Moses's guidelines as he sets uh, out for that he sets out for Israel while they wander lost in the desert. It's essentially a book of rules that Moses makes for his people so they don't die. Riveting stuff. And uh, if you thought while you were listening to uh, Rashan to read the Bible verse tonight, if you thought that that, or if you flip through more of Deuteronomy, if you think that it seems a little bit outdated or a lot of it seems a little bit outdated, Uh, it's because you are not 2,000 years ago an Israelite wandering in the desert. Uh, The contexts are very different. However, I believe that there's a really important heartbeat 
behind this thing that applies to us, all of us here, a couple of pounds heavier from turkey and mashed potatoes in 2008 central Iowa. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. So a little bit of context for Deuteronomy in the Bible. And if you don't know the Bible well here tonight, no worries at all. It sometimes gets lost in the shuffle. Um, we're going to do a quick recap. It's good practice for all of us. Uh, the Bible on a bird's eye view is basically just this book of a bunch of different stories that follows the people of God, these Israelites. They, they're, they're a nation and uh, a um, ethnicity of people. And the story is all about how the things that they do throughout time and how God interacts with them, how God cares about them. And so uh, the thing with the Israelites is that they get beat up a lot. You'd think that God's, uh, God's army would win all of the battles. But you see, the thing is, the Israelites weren't particularly big. They weren't particularly strong or good at fighting. Uh, there are times in history that they're more dominant than others, but on the whole, they're not really that great militarily. They don't have a whole lot of wealth or resources much more than everybody else does, and they tend to, like I said, despite you know, um, being God's people, they lose a lot of battles. They end up getting conquered a lot, and because of that, they end up as slaves for the Egyptians. Now, the Egyptians are like the big superpower of the time. And their whole Egyptian society is built on the back of these uh, Israelite slaves. So that leads us to a story that you might be familiar with. This guy named Moses. You know, the guy that he flees out of Egypt after he finds out he's not Egyptian. Uh, he was told by God through a burning bush to go back to Egypt to face his past, to face Pharaoh, and miraculously then with plagues and the splitting of the sea and the, the whole staff thing that it was pretty awesome, he just like led them out of Israel and out away out of danger, or led them out of Egypt and away from the Egyptians. And finally, he just liberated an entire race of people uh, out of the biggest superpower of the day. That brings us to where we are now. That's all pretty exciting stuff, but with uh, Deuteronomy and the couple books before it, it's them struggling in the desert. And where we find our people in our story today is that even though people have seen God deliver them through unspeakable like struggles in miraculous ways, tons of miracles, all of that, they're discouraged because they can't quite figure out where they're going. I think that might sound familiar to some of us now. Let me say it again. They're, they've seen God prove his faithfulness. God's proved how much he cares about them. And they have memories and these experiences with God, and it's incredible. But they're a little discouraged because they just can't quite see where they're going. Now, you might read some of the Bible today, or our Bible, our Bible verse from today, you know, you see, well, take some of your first fruits of your harvest, take them to your temple or place of worship, place them upon the altar, and the high priest will, on behalf of God, you know, take, receive these offerings. And you might think, like, this is the farthest thing that I can get from trying to get, like, survive Black Friday uh, <laughs> and try to find the best deals I can so I can get all my Christmas shopping done. All of this might seem about as far away from our current context um, socioeconomically, geographically, um, culturally, all of those different things. 
But I think that we all, at some place inside of ourselves, identify with the core issue with the people at this time. And that core issue is this. All of us feel like we're in the middle of something trying to get somewhere else. All of us feel like there's something inside of us that's just a little off Whatever, maybe it's our circumstances, maybe it's something with ourselves, maybe it's just a struggle, big or small, maybe it's for you, it's been quite a season, maybe for you, it's just this week, maybe for you this weekend, it was just Thanksgiving dinner with relatives, but you're trying to, we're trying to get out of somewhere to get somewhere better. So we have God interacting with people in the middle of this, and what does God tell these people to do? He tells them to sacrifice stuff. Now, our scripture verse this week centers around the word sacrifice, uh, which is co-opted in a lot of different ways, and it might seem barbaric, and you have like weird visions in your head when I say sacrifice, and there's no way around this issue in our text for today. Believe me, I've tried to write one and couldn't do it. And so, um, I think that it's important that we talk exactly about what sacrifice is, because it seems the farthest thing away from our modern situations, because even in our, our Bible verse for today, people are supposed to take their crops or the thing that they make with their hands and give it to God on an altar. In other places in the Old Testament, it was animals, things that you could use, you know, things that were alive, and you'd give that to God, and you were supposed to do it in special ways. Uh, sometimes you were supposed to divide it. Sometimes you weren't. Sometimes you were supposed to burn it. Sometimes you weren't. There were all of these rules, and none of that feels like it really counts for us. But when you really think about it, and taking away some of the specifics that make it seem so weird, the altar, the animals, the crops, the whatever, what is sacrifice? Sacrifice is taking something valuable from your past, turning to God in your present, and giving him something that you could use in the future, trusting that he'll continue to provide for you. Let me say it again. It's taking something valuable from your past, something you've made with your hands, something that's intrinsic to who you are in society, turning to God in the present, saying, I'm giving this to you, and giving him something that you could use in the future, trusting that he will continue to take care of you. I'm a one-point type of person, so if you hear anything that I say, if you're a tweeter, if you're a note-taker, this is it. Sacrifice means recognizing God's role in your past, your present, and your future. Sacrifice, the act of sacrifice, true sacrifice, not creepy sacrifice, not like weird ritualistic sacrifice in horror movies. Real sacrifice means recognizing God's role in your past, your present, and your future. So it was January uh, 10th, 2016, and it was the third coldest playoff game in NFL history. It was the home team, the good guys, the Minnesota Vikings, who had not won a playoff game in 327 years. And the people who are laughing know because football hasn't been around for 327 years. It might seem like it, but they hadn't won in forever. They were like the lovable losers of the NFL. The, the, and it's kind of a problem. And so they were here playing the Seattle Seahawks, who are a pretty good football team. And they were here in, Mini- they were in Minneapolis. I lived there at the time. It was negative six degrees. It was outside. It was negative six degrees. Can you imagine... 
So it was this really hard-fought game. This really, um, this. I mean, can you? I can't imagine getting tackled by like a 350-pound man. But add that it's negative six degrees, and I'm out. I don't care. I don't care about the salary. But what ends up happening is uh, the Vikings, even though they're down, it's like the very end of the game. Everything's like the time is ticking down, and they march down the field, and they get it so that it's just like a chip shot of a field goal away. Not like a nail-biting field goal, which uh, non-football people, they just have to kick the thing through the uprights. That's all they need to do to win. And so here it is, the end of the game. All of Minnesota's, like the, the, like the, the uh, what do you call it, just like the current mood, hopes, and dreams of the entire state of Minnesota, just on this football team, as time expires, they just made this big play, and Blair Walsh is this gentleman's name. He comes out, and kicking in football, football is such a team sport, but with kicking, it's basically just that one person. He goes out, he kicks it, and it is not good. He shanks it. They lose. My brother-in-law, God bless him, he'll hear this, and I might get in trouble for this, a strong, great guy, uh, just like started to, like I saw the tear in his eye. He like grew up in rural Minnesota, loves the Vikings, because this was their chance. This was their year, and it was just gone like that for that one guy Blair Walsh. Now, Seattle is like kind of a cult team. They have followers everywhere, and they're notoriously like kind of rowdy. And everybody was so excited. But even if you were Seattle, even if you were those people who were like so excited that you thought your team was about to lose and all of a sudden you won, even you can be excited for your team win on one side and have a pit in your stomach for the guy who just lost it. I know we have Packer fans in here. Jed is listening somewhere. And even Jed felt bad for Blair Walsh. Everyone just felt bad for this poor guy. And the whole reason that I bring this up is for this other point that I hope we take with us tonight is that you can feel more than one feeling at one time. You can hold one feeling in one hand and still feel the same thing, both of them just as true, even when they seem contradictory in one hand and in the other. And the reason that I bring this up is that because I know that we're going into the holidays, it's the hap hap happiest season of all. It's everybody is supposed to be smiley and kind and, and so patient in the parking lot at the mall. And it's supposed to be that, right? And, and for a lot of people, it is. It's exciting. You get to see family members that you often don't get to see. And you, uh, that you, get, so you get to give and receive gifts from those that you love. And it's so fun. And people are just a little bit kinder, which in our world today is such a lovely thing. But I also recognize that at the same time, for a lot of people, the holidays are also one of the most difficult times of the year. It is the most wonderful time of the year, and at the same time, you can feel two things at once, one of the most difficult times of the year. Because maybe for you at Thanksgiving this year, it was more about who wasn't at the table than who was. And you loved the people that were there, and you were so excited to see them, but it was kind of at, at the core of you, if you were perfectly honest, it was more about who wasn't there. And it's really difficult to get past that. Maybe for you, it's the painful memories of your past, the memories of disappointment or pain that contend with this joy of the present. Maybe your current circumstance, whatever that ends up being, big or small, it's something that you can't quite see your way out of. 
and that's stealing your joy just a little bit. Just like the Israelites, it's, it's stepping in the way of seeing what's in front of you and seeing what you've been given. We can, at the same time, feel pain, sadness, the grief of our loss of our circumstance, at the same time have trust and hope that the God that loves us has good things for us. We can lament and feel the pain of our circumstance. That's very true. We have a lot of people in our community going through some really hard times right now. But at the same time, those things can be true and we can still have hope. We can still have joy and we can still have a peace about the God that we trust and we love. And the reason that I include this is that I think that we can honor all of those things and recognize that when we're talking about sacrifice, we have, to, we have to own up to our own struggles and our own circumstances and honor those and still know that we all have more that we can offer that God has given us. You might not feel like your circumstance, your, uh, circumstances, one in which there's a lot to quote-unquote be thankful for, as you probably heard enough the last couple days, and that's totally fair. But God has made you as so much more than your circumstances. I'll say it again just because maybe somebody needs to hear it. You are more than whatever you're struggling with right now. Without question, we all have more that we can offer. Joy to the City is this really fun thing that we do every year. It's really special to this community. And uh, a little bit more about that, Edmonds Elementary, just a few blocks to the north, all of the different people that we're going to support are mostly for the Oak Ridge neighborhood, which is just right next to uh, Edmonds Elementary. And the Oak Ridge neighborhood is almost uh, exclusively refugees coming from all over the world to be here in Des Moines, Iowa. And I, I'm, not, I'm using the word refugees, not just immigrants, because these people are running from things. Religious persecution, genocide, political violence, gang violence, lack of clean food and water and medical resources, all of these different people have seen some of the worst that the world has to offer, and here they are in central Iowa, just a few blocks north of our church. And so what we do is we work with uh, Megan Cruz. She's one of the most delightful people I've ever met. She's the success counselor for Edmonds. She makes sure people and students have what they need to succeed in our society. And she uh, goes to these different families with a whole host of translators because those of you who have worked with um, refugee populations know that it's really difficult to find a translator who speaks the exact dialect of um, whatever the language is the people are speaking. And so she works for weeks with these people to put together a list that you that are now on the back uh, on the tree uh, in the envelopes on the trees. And the thing is this. I don't know what you think of when you look at a kid's Christmas list. I think of like the newest gaming system, like maybe they want this sweet new game that just came out. Uh, Maybe they want a new bike. If you're the parent of a teenager, they want their first car. Like that's those are the different things that people are asking for. I have the distinct privilege to read all of these different lists um, as I fold them up and attempt to put them in, uh, to put them in all these different Um, envelopes, and the most popular thing on the list, warm socks. Warm socks. 
Um, the other things that they ask for, um, long sleeve t-shirts, sometimes coats, jackets. Um, we had uh, uh, toilet paper was on last year. Uh, toothbrushes, we had somebody ask for uh, utensils, like forks and knives and spoons, because where they, the culture that they come from, they don't use forks and knives and spoons. And so all of our food, they're like literally, like are not equipped to eat the food that they're buying here in central Iowa. And I, I say all these things because when we think of, oh, Christmas list, we'll adopt a family, you know, this isn't the type of thing we usually think of. This is basic daily necessities. And I don't say all this as some major guilt trip. I'm, I'm here to tell you as a story of success, as a story of somebody who's able to hold their circumstance and the joy of God together because I got the privilege of meeting this woman last year. So it was the day that we dropped off the gifts. We do this uh, like a week or so before Christmas, you will have the opportunity to sign up to do this if you'd like. We, we get a caravan of cars together, we fill the cars with the gifts, and we take them on over to Edmonds, and after they get out on early out on Wednesdays, we fill the tables of the cafeteria with these gifts, and the families come and pick them up. And the cool thing about this is, um, you know, it's not like a, hey, I got you this gift. It was just like, here's all of these gifts. Merry Christmas. And you can just see that these families, like, can't believe. They're like, where did these come from? And we're like, our church did this. And some of, this, some of the folks don't know what a church is, so you have to kind of explain what a church is, which is difficult. Um, but it's fantastic. And the whole reason I say all of this is because of this one woman that I met. It was at the end. All the gifts had been picked up except for this one family. And this woman comes in. She is maybe five feet tall. Like, that's roster height. Like, she's like... With, with heels, maybe five feet. She's like a good 4'10". She had the most wonderful uh, Senegalese accent. And she was a grandmother. The people on her list and her family were her kids and her grandkids. All lived with her. And she came in and she looks at us and she says, uh, she's kind of sheepish. You could tell she'd not done this before. She comes and she's talks to Megan, again, the success coordinator, and says, uh, Miss Megan, I'm here to, to pick up my gift. And Ryan and I smile. Ryan, you, who I was doing announcements with earlier, Ryan, our student ministries coordinator, was helping me, and we got this huge smile on our faces because we could tell she didn't know. Gift singular. And the reason we were smiling so big is that what we were doing at that exact moment that she walked in was using... Um, uh, industrial size extra strength trash bags to put all of the gifts that were supposed to go to her family into to transport and we put them on one of those pallet movers and we walk up to her and we're like where's your vehicle and she looks at us and she you could tell she didn't explain or she didn't understand and I said these are for you she said which one I said all of them and she just, you could watch recognition hit her face. And The reason I tell this is not like, wow, look at what a great thing we did. The thing that just, the reason that I share that with you tonight is because nothing on that thing was for her. Not one single gift was for her of any sort of comfort. I guarantee it because there was no grandma on the list. <laughs> And it wasn't the fact that she knew that her grandkids or her kids were going to get some fancy new thing. There was one thing that wasn't wrapped on that pallet mover, and it's the thing she couldn't quit talking about as we walked out. She kept saying, praise Jesus, because somebody had gone and bought 
several different boxes of like Costco-sized diapers, and had they were just they just were huge in the cart. And she said, "Praise Jesus!" She just kept saying, and she looks at me and just with the biggest smile in the world, the warmest smile I've ever seen, and says, "I cannot believe I will have diapers for my grandbaby." And as I'm thinking about this and thinking about sacrifice and all these different things, I'm thinking, friends, this is what sacrifice looks like. It's not just giving something away. It's not just burning something in an altar, like just throwing it away because that's like some law or some right thing to do. Sacrifice is giving to something bigger than yourself. Our Bible verse for, that you heard read it's much more than anything that it actually says of what to give or how much to give. It actually gives the person sacrificing something, something to say. Did you notice that? It tells them what they're supposed to say. And I think that it's so beautiful in what it, where it's trying to get the mind of the person who's giving something to God. The Bible says, you must then say in the presence of the Lord your God, my ancestor Jacob was a wandering Aramean who went to live as a foreigner in Egypt. His family arrived few in number, but in Egypt they became large and mighty nation. It's recognizing where they came from. It's recognizing that it's God that brought them to where they are. The Bible says, so the Lord brought us out of Egypt. It's looking into your past and realizing that God was there. Notice what it says. It doesn't say, oh, we were slaves and it was terrible. It said that they grew into a mighty nation in Egypt. They're still slaves at that point, but they're looking back and recognizing there was God. Then it switches tense, tense. It says, and now, O Lord, I have brought you the first portion of the harvest you have given me from the ground. It's basically saying, even now, Lord, you are providing for me. So we're looking back to see where God has blessed us. We're turning to God in our present, going, look what you're doing for me now, God. And then it says, quoting the Bible, afterward you may go and celebrate because of all the good things the Lord your God has given you in your household. Go out and celebrate because it's the trust that God has provided, is providing, and will continue to provide into the future. It's seeing God's provision through your entire story. Sacrifice means recognizing God's role in your past, your present, your future. So the challenge for us now, this week, in this season, is what does sacrifice look like for you? Maybe it is partnering with us for Joy to the City. I'm not making a plug for us because you need to participate in your stuff. Maybe that's not what you've been blessed with. But this, pro this process is going, what have I been given in my past? What has God blessed me with? And it's taking a second to look ahead and say, I give this to you, God. How can I bless the world with what you've given me? And it's doing so with the trust that you are going to be blessed and cared for in the future. So maybe it, maybe it is financially. And so many of you have, have, have partnered with us during the giving campaign in that way. Maybe for some of us, it's the thing that's the most precious out of, the, out of anything else this holiday season. It's your time. 
maybe your sacrifice in the next week, in the next weeks before the holiday ends is that you're going to give a little bit of time, a little bit of attention back to somebody who maybe hasn't been getting as much as they deserve. Maybe it's the call back to that family member that you haven't called in a while. Maybe it's Maybe it's finding the time to spend with someone who's down and out that that deserves a little bit of human contact. Maybe for you, the thing you're going to sacrifice in your past, maybe you have a certain gift. Maybe you have a certain blessing, a talent, a trade. Maybe it's time this season to find even the smallest way to use that to bless others as a sacrifice to God. Sacrifice isn't something creepy that happened a long time ago. It's the way that we live in this world with the things that we've been given from God. Sacrifice means recognizing God's role in our past, our present, and our future. Amen. This isn't just something that we get to think about or uh, something that you get to hear me strut around on stage and talk to you about, but instead this is something that we get to worship God for. This is about recognizing God's role in our lives. So, Let's stand together and worship the God who provides.